0: Fantastic, really great to see you, and uh, if you don't know me, my name's Jago, and uh, if you are sitting at the end of a row, would you grab the Bibles, pass them down, uh, so everyone can get a look at them, and once you've got a Bible, turn to page 1135, page 1135, uh, Romans chapter 8, some people talk about Romans 8 as being the Everest of the whole Bible, the high point of the whole Bible, And we're going to be looking at just four verses in Romans chapter 8. We've been going through this series uh, on the gospel, thinking about the gospel. What is the gospel? Uh, How does it impact our lives? And we've reached the final uh, session, the final sermon in our series on the gospel, thinking about energised by the gospel. And I'm going to read these four verses uh, from Romans 8, verse 31 uh, to 34. So um, have a look at those. Page 1135. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Let's pray. Lord God, those uh, four words there that you are for us. You're for us. We thank you for that. And we pray by the power of your Spirit that you would just imprint those words in our hearts and our minds tonight. Will we be energised by them? Will we be transformed by them, we pray, for your glory. Amen. Richard E. Grant, uh, formerly known for his portrayal as a drunken waster in the 80s cult film Withnail and I, but now a national treasure, age 62, after being nominated for an Oscar for his portrayal of his role uh, in the new film, Can You Ever Forgive Me? Uh, Over the last few weeks, everyone has fallen in love with Richard E. Grant. Everyone's fallen in love with him because of his reaction to being nominated for an Oscar. Uh, here's a clip that he recorded of himself uh, just after he'd been nominated for that Oscar back in January. Just have a watch of this. Yes. Now, from that moment on, you've probably seen some of them. There have been all sorts of tweets, all sorts of posts by him on social media just about him having the time of his life, him trampolining on the morning of the Oscars, him dad dancing the day before the Oscars with his daughter, just him having a blast, loving life. And this is what India Knight, who's a Sunday Times columnist, this is what Indian Knight wrote about Richard E. Grant very recently. She said this. She said, when you see this sort of display you realize how tiresome coolness is. Enthusiasm is what looks fresh now. It is lovely to see, so life-affirming and contagious. Richard E. Grant is a human exclamation mark, and I love him for it. A human exclamation mark. It's a delightful phrase, isn't it? Being a human exclamation mark in response to good news. And really the question that I would love each one of us to think about today is this. What stops you? What stops me? What stops us from being human exclamation marks in response to our good news? In response to the gospel? What stops us from being like that, that human exclamation mark in response to the gospel? The gospel literally means good news in the Greek, euangelion. I mean, Richard E. Grant, his good news, it was being nominated for an Oscar. But for you and I, if we've put our trust in Jesus, what we are good news is, it is far, far greater. Uh, Earlier in Romans chapter 8, we read that, that we've been adopted not into Hollywood royalty, but we have been adopted into heavenly royalty. You and I, we can go, if you like, we can go dad dancing with God. With God. It says there, the one who created us, we can call him Abba, Father. We can call him Daddy. And you and I, we have been nominated not just for one evening of Oscar Glitz, but we have been nominated for an eternity of glory. And so the question is, why are we not all human exclamation marks in response to this best news of all news that there is? Why not? Why don't we have true, real, authentic joy and energy and passion in response to the gospel? Some people do, but if we're honest, certainly for me, most of the time, that is not me. Now, why not? I think if I were to summarize what I think is the main reason why I am so often not a human exclamation mark, if I was trying to summarize it in one word, it would be this word, insecurity. I'm insecure. I don't know if you saw the Brit Awards about uh, 10 days ago, but the highlight of that evening was Jess Glynn singing her song, Thursday. And it's a song that is all about insecurities. And the song starts with these lines. She sings this. She sings, I don't wear makeup on Thursdays. I'm sick of covering up. Sometimes I'm shy and I'm anxious. Sometimes I'm down on my knees. Sometimes I try to embrace all my insecurities. And strikingly, as she was singing this song live at the Brits, you, you may, you'll see two photos of her coming up. And what happened was at the start of the song, there she is. It's, it's on your left There she is, she's got all her makeup on. She's got all her false eyelashes on. But as she sang this song live, so she took off her eyelashes. So she wiped off all of her makeup. So by the end of the song, she was there just as she looks naturally. What you see on your right. In fact, on stage with her were about 50 other women. And during the song, they too were taking all their makeup off in solidarity with her. You see, Jess Glynn, she understands that we cannot just hide our insecurities under makeup or under whatever else that we use to try and conceal our insecurities. We all have them. And all of us, we try and conceal our insecurities under all sorts of things. If it's not makeup, we conceal our insecurities under money. We conceal our insecurities under bravado or busyness. But take away those things. Take away whatever is covering up our insecurities. Take away the money, take away the busyness, take away the makeup. And our insecurities, if we're honest, they are still there. And what is the solution? What is the solution to actually dealing with all these insecurities that all of us have? Well, This is what Jess Glynn sings. She sings, sometimes I try to embrace all my insecurities. So I won't wear makeup on Thursday. Because who I am is enough. Now is that last line true? Who I am is enough. Is that true? Does self-acceptance, us accepting who we are, does that solve all our insecurities or not? Let's think this evening. Let's think about the three most common insecurities that we all have. Number one, rejection rejection. Jess Glynn, she sings there, who I am is enough. But rejection is when other people, they disagree with that statement and they say, no, you're not enough. And all of us here, every single one of us, we will have faced rejection at some point or other in the course of our life. All of us, whether in the playground, whether in a family betrayal, whether in the job market, whether on a dating app, all of us, we will have experienced other people saying that we are not enough. And what happens as a result of that? Well, our human exclamation mark, it gets snuffed out. And yet, what does our little passage in Romans 8, what does it say to us in response to that rejection? In response to others saying that I am not enough. Just look, with you, at the first verse there, verse 31. Look at what verse 31 says in the face of rejection. Just breathe verse 31 in. It says this, if God is for us, who can be against us? Those four words, God is for us. You know, that is certain because we know how things end. Jesus Christ, he left the glory of heaven to experience the ultimate rejection. So that we who do face rejection from time to time, so we can know the ultimate glory. Just take, would you, just for a moment, the rejection that maybe you've been thinking about, just as I've been raising this issue. The rejection where you have had other people say to you that you're not enough. That other person who said through their words, through their actions, that you're not enough. Just take it and think on it. We are often told we're not to compare ourselves with other people. And that's generally right. But there is a comparison that every single one of us should do. To take that person, that person that's rejected you, that person or thing that has hurt you so much, and do the comparison. That person who is against you versus God who is for you. Compare the two. There's no contest, is there? It's like a ladybird versus a lion. God is for you. And that means that despite our insecurities, in Jesus Christ, we can know total security even in the face of rejection. Who are you in Jesus? Jesus. You are friends with God. You are friends with God. God is for you. Eternity bears the truth of that out. And that is enough, that you are friends with God, that he is for you. And that encourages us to be human exclamation marks, even if you are discovering that everyone else is rejecting you. Second insecurity that we, all of us, all of us face, is we feel we lack something. We lack. So whereas rejection, that's about other people saying that we're not enough, lack is about my circumstances. My circumstances say that I'm not enough. So if only I could have an Instagram account, says the child, then it will be enough. But that feeling doesn't change as we turn into adults. You know, the 20-something with their bucket list. 30 things that I must do before I'm 30, I am lacking till I've done these things or I've achieved these goals. And that, doesn't feel it, that, change, that feeling doesn't change when you become a vicar. It's certainly not. A couple of weeks ago, I was at a um, conference for resourcing church leaders in the Church of England. Now, uh, here at HGC, we are designated a resourcing church. It basically just means we're a biggish church that is wanting to plant other churches. And in some ways, in the Church of England, it's not very helpful really, but it's the, the sort of the label resourcing church. It's treated a bit like a sort of badge of honor. But there we were. We were in this conference. There are about 30 of us, leaders of some of the biggest churches in this country in the Church of England. And it got to the end of our time together and time to pray for each other. And I was in this little group. In this group that we were praying together and praying for each other, one of the other leaders, he suddenly just broke down in floods of tears. It was because of a feeling of lack. An insecurity that he had. That the church that he was pastoring wasn't as big as it should be. Wasn't as big as other people's churches. That the size of his church proclaimed that he was not enough. That he was lacking. Every single one of us, we will struggle with this insecurity of lack. I certainly do. I get insecure about lacking the ability to provide for my family as I want. Uh, materially, I get insecure a little bit, but far more. just I, I get insecure about lacking the ability to be a brilliant, kind, loving husband and dad. I, I get insecure about lacking abilities as a leader and a vicar, and it robs me of the joy of being a human exclamation mark in response to the good news of the gospel. Yet what does verse 32 say in response? Look at the next verse. Verse 32 it says, "He, God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will He not also, along with him, graciously give us all things?" That verse, as you read it, you'll see it saying to us, "God gives to you. God gives." If you like, it's an argument from the greater to the lesser. It's saying if God can give to us his infinitely precious son of course he will give us anything and everything else that you need Now if you just look at that verse again just look at the end where it says it says he will graciously give us all things What are those all things that we need It's not a prosperity gospel Because the all things that we need, they're about all things that we need to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus. Verse 29 tells us that. That is God's aim for you and for me. For us to be conformed to the image of his son. I love this quote from Jim Packer. Jim Packer writes this. One day, one day we shall see that nothing... Literally nothing that could have increased our eternal happiness has been denied us. And that nothing, literally nothing, that could have reduced that happiness has been left with us. And so please feast on this. Feast on the fact that our security in Christ is this. I am fulfilled in Christ. In Christ, I am fulfilled. In Christ, I do not lack anything. In Christ, I have all that I need. Christ gives me all things that I need. And if we believe that, then we will grow and flourish into human exclamation marks. The third insecurity that we all struggle with, failure. Failure. This is where not others, nor our circumstances, but I, me, myself, I say I'm not enough. And if we're honest, at times the devil whispers in our ear that we're not enough. And in a sense, God says to each one of us, that we're not enough because back in Romans chapter 3 it says all of us we all fall short of the glory of God we fall short we fail and so it would be totally right totally just totally fair for God to look at you to look at me and to say failure to say you failed you haven't met my standards and yet God does not do that to those who are trusting in Christ Just look, would you, at the next two verses, verses 33 and 34. It says, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Those verses the Bible lays out, we deserve to be condemned. Condemned. And instead, we read there, God justifies us. He justifies us. It's just as if I'd never sinned. Here's the truth. We are more of a failure and sinful and condemned in ourselves than you or I ever dared believe. And yet, because of the cross, we are more loved and accepted and justified and forgiven in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. Richard E. Grant's film, it's entitled, Can You Ever Forgive Me? And when we ask that question of God, God, can you ever forgive me? The answer is a resounding yes. Yes, I can forgive you. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, I can forgive you because of the cross. God in Jesus taking our condemnation on himself in our place. Who I am. Is enough, sings Jess Glynn. It's not true. It's not true. In ourselves, we're rejected, we lack, we fail. All of us do. We can try and conceal and hide those insecurities in all sorts of ways, but the truth is, all of us are like that. We've all got those struggles. Who I am in myself is not enough. But the glorious, wondrous reality is that who I am in Jesus, that is enough. It is more than enough. Because in Jesus, I am friends with God. In Jesus, I am fulfilled by God. And in Jesus, I am forgiven by God. And what's the difference? Jesus. Simply, Jesus. You know, in um, this year, 2019, perhaps more than any other year that I've been at HTC, just on Sundays, there have been more people in church on a Sunday who are exploring faith, who are just looking in on things, perhaps spiritually hungry, wanting to investigate Jesus, wanting to determine whether they're going to put their trust in Jesus or not. And there'll be some people like that here this evening. And it is so wonderful to have you with us. And in a moment, I'm going to continue the the talk. I've got about six, seven minutes more to go. But before I do that, I just want to give an opportunity for anyone in that camp. You're hungry. You're spiritually hungry. You're looking in. And you're wrestling with whether to put your trust in Jesus. I just want to give you an opportunity to do just that. To respond to the gospel to respond to the good news. You see, the core of the gospel is this, that Jesus Christ, he experienced the rejection on the cross so that you can know friendship with God. Jesus Christ, he experienced lack on the cross so that you can know fulfillment from God. Jesus Christ, he experienced failure on the cross so that you can know forgiveness by God. And Jesus, he offers you all these things now. He offers you friendship, fulfillment, forgiveness. He offers it now and going on into eternity, an eternity of glory with him rather than separation from him. And the question is, how will you respond to all that Jesus offers you? How will you respond? For our um, church weekend away, we're going to this De Vere Hotel uh, in Windsor. And in the De Vere hotels, they have those little door signs on their door. And if you like, I think these sum up the two options that are available to you. How do you respond to the good news of the gospel? How do you respond? Here are the two options. Do you say to God, number one, I'm clean enough. I'm clean enough. Please do not disturb me, God. I've got no insecurities that need dealing with God. Go away. I'm fine on my own. I'm clean enough. Or do you say to God, I'm a right mess. I'm a right mess. All sorts of insecurities. Please, God, would you come in? I need you. How would you respond? Which of those two? And just before we go any further, if you're saying to Jesus, yeah, please, come on in. I'm a mess, I need your help. I'd love just to pray a prayer that you might like to echo in your heart as a way of saying to Jesus, please come in. Please come in. So just as we sit, let's pray, shall we? Let's pray. Here's a prayer that you might like to pray. Dear Lord Jesus, I recognize I'm a mess. I've got insecurities. However well I might try and hide them. I failed to live up to my own standards, let alone yours. Jesus, thank you that you love me. Jesus, thank you that you took my place on the cross. Jesus, please... Would you come into my life by the power of your Spirit? And I pray, may I know friendship and fulfillment and forgiveness from you. Amen. Amen. I just as we stay in it, just at a time of quiet, I wonder if, if you prayed that prayer uh, in a significant way for you just as we stay quiet, just if you'd be bold enough, just to stick your hand up. And I'm just gonna pray for those who prayed that prayer. So if you prayed that prayer, just put your hand up where you are. That'd be wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's just pray for those people, shall we? Jesus said, he said that there is rejoicing in heaven, as people turn to him. And Lord Jesus, thank you for the rejoicing that is going on in heaven right now. And for those four or five individuals, we pray for them. We pray for your protection upon them. We pray that what it goes on to say in Romans 8 would be true for them, that nothing, nothing would separate them from the love that you have for them. May they know that. May they be bowled over by that. And we thank you for each of those people. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give them a round of applause, shall we? Best news ever. Just in the last six minutes, what I would love to do, I'd love for all of us here, all of us here who have at some point said, come in, I'm a mess. Whether we've done that tonight or whether we've done that 40 years ago, I just want to speak to all of us who are like that. and just want to say, just think back to Richard E. Grant. He gets nominated for an Oscar, a good thing happens to him, and as a result, this human exclamation mark that is Richard E. Grant just goes around telling everybody and anyone. Not in a sort of an aren't I amazing way, no, but just in a this is amazing, I'm so grateful, I'm so thankful, and he just goes around telling anyone. Now for us, what is stopping us going around telling other people about the good news of the gospel that we have benefited from? What's stopping us? The truth is, it is exactly those three same insecurities, isn't it? What's stopping us is the fear of rejection, fear of lack, fear of failure. Just speaking about myself personally, uh, if I speak of Jesus, I fear I'm going to be rejected by other people. I can think back to when I was a management consultant, and uh, I, there was this time where we we're a number of us, we were having a discussion, and they started asking me questions about my faith. And I shared how people's eternal destiny were determined by their view of Jesus, and as a result of that, there were these piercing look of hatred from some of my colleagues. And from that moment on, they, they, they marginalized me. And it made me feel insecure and fearful about ever speaking up about Jesus again. Now, wind the clock on, 20 years till now. Last Thursday, I went to a dinner, a 20-year reunion for my start group from Accenture. Now, how was I feeling As I went to that dinner, it was the same fear. Fear that they'd reject me if I said anything too direct about Jesus. Or if I speak about Jesus, I fear I'm going to lack something as a result. Or if I speak about Jesus, I fear I'll be a failure, I won't know what to say, I'll put my foot in it, I don't know how to answer people's tricky questions. I mean, in our culture these days, it feels like you need a PhD in apologetics and ethics and Christian doctrine just to try and successfully answer any follow-up questions to telling a friend, oh, I went to church on Sunday, doesn't it? And so as a result, we keep quiet. The truth is there is such a need to share the gospel with those who aren't followers of Jesus. Jesus' priority for us is to share the gospel. Think of the Great Commission, his last words, go and make disciples. Think of Jesus' parable of the lost sheep, 99 sheep, fine and dandy in the sheep pen, one sheep lost, and yet the shepherd, where does the shepherd go? He goes and heads out and finds the lost one. Jesus is disproportionately committed to reaching out to the lost, to the one who doesn't yet know him, rather than the 99 that already do. Think about South London that we all live in. What percentage of people in South London, if you like, are in the sheep pen, trusting in Jesus, secure in Christ? I don't know the answer, but it's probably about 5%. 5%, but 95% lost away from the sheep pen. If Jesus Christ, if he focuses more on the 1 than the 99, surely we should be more focused on the 95 than the 5. And yet, all the insecurities that we all have, they make us just huddle and keep in the 5%. Now, we're all wired differently. Some of us are going to find it easier to share our testimony with someone else. Others find it easier to invite people to Alpha or invite people to church. Some people enjoy having big theological debates. Some are good at just boldly sharing the gospel message on a street corner. Others boldly sharing the gospel message just to a friend sitting alongside on a sofa. We are all wired differently. But whoever we are, if we're following Jesus, he calls us to follow his heart. His heart for those who don't yet know Jesus. And I certainly want us to be that kind of church, and I hope you want to be that kind of person, to be this human exclamation mark in response to the gospel so that we're naturally just overflowing with gratitude and joy about all that Jesus has done for us. Now, as we speak of Jesus, at times there will be hostility. There will. And yet, as well as hostility... There will also be hunger. There'll be spiritual hunger, just as we've seen tonight. Richard E. Grant's film, Can You Ever Forgive Me? The answer is God can. But you know our friends, our friends, they will find it difficult to forgive us if we have this good news, this best news ever, and we just keep it to ourselves. And so some way or other, please, each one of us who is trusting in Jesus, please, let's get our friends, our colleagues, our neighbours, our family to hear of Jesus and to meet with Jesus. Let's be people who don't just huddle with the 5%, but are prepared to go out to the 95%, to speak to them, to love them. HDC, my prayer is that we are a people who are secure in Christ. Who we are in Jesus, that is enough. And when we're secure in Christ, then we will be energized by the gospel. We'll be energized to be those human exclamation marks. Reaching out to speak to people who do not yet know Jesus. That's my prayer. Is it yours? Shall we stand? Let's stand. The band are going to come up, and uh, as the band come up, I would love, before we even respond in song, if you are wanting to be someone who has a greater passion for sharing the gospel, you want to be someone who is that human exclamation mark. Maybe you know there are some insecurities that are stopping you. Share about Jesus. Speak about him. If that's you, we'd love to pray for you. And can I just encourage you, just before we even start, just to come forward now, if you are someone and saying, I would love to be prayed for. I would love my passion for speaking about Jesus with my friends and others. I would love that passion to grow. So just come forward now. I'm just going to give a few moments, if you want to come forward, to be prayed for. And just as people are beginning to come forward, just um, if we could have some of the prayer team to just come forward as well and just come alongside these individuals. Just pray for them. Pray God's blessing upon them. Keep coming forward. It'd be great to have a few more prayers, maybe connect group leaders. We're going to need quite a few more connect group leaders. Just come forward. Let's try. Thank you so much. Great, men with men, women with women. Let's see if we can get everyone being prayed for. Let's pray, shall we? Lord God, we pray for us all that we might be empowered by your Spirit to be those willing to boldly speak of you. Pray particularly for those here at the front. Pray that you would empower them, that you'd equip them, that you'd transform them. Thank you for them. Amen.